0: into the hands of every individual is given a power for good or evil. To be different, you must think, feel, and act differently. Focus on your purpose. Transcend boundaries. Impact the world. Alter from death to life. Good morning, Influence Church. How's everybody doing? Oh, come on, let's hear it. How's everybody doing? You excited to be in the house of God today? Anybody excited? Anybody excited? Let me hear you. I'm excited. Woo-hoo! Man, what a morning we've been having already. Hallelujah. You know, I think something shifted today. Amen. And I really, this has been a, a shifting week. I know we've got over, I think it's around 70 people on a missions trip. Anybody's loved one? knows somebody that's on a mission trip with our team? And you've been seeing, maybe they've texted you some pictures. Come on, let's give it up for what God's been doing in Peru. <laughs> but something has shifted. Something has shifted. I mean, I, I, can I say it again? God is shifting things. And uh, Wow. Speaking of just the kids' camp, I don't want to touch on it for just a quick minute, and then I'm going to get in my message. I've got two announcements. Uh, We don't want anybody to come. We don't want anybody not to come because of finances. Did you hear me? So if you know somebody, maybe even yourself, may not be able to afford, maybe you can only afford half of it. Look, we want every kid to be at camp this summer, uh, especially the one coming up next week with the elementary students. And preschoolers, But even so, the August one with our junior higher and high schoolers, I believe, I even said a last service, I wanna see that in the, um, yeah, Angel Stadium, let's just go ahead and de- declare that. But I said Honda Center last service, so God's just shifting it. But <laughs> like, let's fill these things up for the presence of God. And how about young people in these things, right? Encountering God. And so uh, we don't want any child not to come because of finances. And listen, there is a price behind it. No one's written a check yet to cover the whole thing. I believe somebody can do that. But we have the kids all day long. Morning services, our worship, powerful word, times for the kid to respond. We feed them lunch, and then we take them on field trips. And that time is so important because now they're talking. They're talking with their leaders. They're talking about what God's doing in their life. So the whole day is really intentional, and uh, we don't want anybody not to come because of finance. So if you've got a nephew, a niece, uh, a family member, a sibling, if you've got a child, whatever the case, a neighbor kid, And you're like, they need to be here. I know they need to be here. Then we want them here, amen? And we're partnering with Boys and Girls Club again. So there's going to be several Boys and Girls Club students that are going to come for free, zero. And Erica did a great job. Thank you so much, sweetheart, for your heart. And Carrie, we're praying for you guys. And we just love you. Uh, But I do want you to know these students that that come from the Boys and Girls Club and that we're doing the grandma's house for, the reason they're doing the oatmeal packs is because these kids are coming, a lot of them, from hotel families and motel families. This is in our backyard and their parents may not be getting up because of whatever reasons, whatever. And these kids are getting up with nothing to eat, but if they have a packet of instant oatmeal, they can put in a microwave. And most hotel rooms have microwaves in them. Do you hear this? This is a need. It's in our city. Let's see it. Let's see it not be a need in the next five years, right? And we've done such, uh, we have stewarded our opportunity to make an impact and shift something in our city that we're saying, we've got, we've got too much. Don't send any more. Let's attack another problem. So uh, what a great opportunity. And then also, uh, 4th of July, we're doing the Firecracker Run. Can I hear some people that have helped out with that in the past? Come on, where are you at? Where are you at? 5.30 a.m., where are you going to be? Firecracker Run at, the, at Canyon High High School. We're going to meet there in the parking lot. If you haven't um, checked your email... You can do that. There was a link sent out to you to register. But if you want to help out and be part of uh, helping our city put this on, we actually sponsor all of the backpacks. So they say Influence Church, so every runner's running out there with a little touch of God on their back. Amen? <laughs> and we have to actually fill those after service. So stay for a few minutes. We're going to take about 15 minutes, create an assembly line, stuff these bags, get them ready for the runners. We've got 1,500 bags to this stuff. Uh, also, we've been challenged with the city needs 100 people to carry uh, to carry flags in the beginning of the parade at 11.30. So 5.30 a.m. is the race. We're going to be doing registration, water stations, and then 11.30. Now, come on. I, we, got, we were sitting in the coffee shop, and we got challenged with this. The person from the city of Chambers uh, chamber said, look, last year we had the, the Mormon church had us uh, volunteer. They had 100 people carry flags. We don't have that this year. Can you help us? And I'm like, can I help us? Can we help them? Come on. So I know Michael Ketter, he's already got his entire family, so that's eight down. So we only need 92 more people. And you better get there quick because I said to the first service, I said the first will be last and the last will be first. So if you fill up all the 100 spots, that means everybody in the second service can only come to 530 a.m., so they're going to be last. So get out there, see Bethany and the team at at the Link Central and uh, we would love to have you help us partner, uh, partner with us to just serve our community, be out there on the Fourth of July, make some room, burn some calories to down an extra burger or an extra hot dog. Amen. It's Fourth of July already. I can't believe that. I can't believe that. This is the first time I'm going to be here. I'm typically at home, and my parents are watching. I'm home with them at uh, a family reunion. But we've moved it to a few weeks out because our schedule is so busy here at Influence Church. It's been crazy. It's been it's been amazing what God is doing in our midst. And so. Uh, Yes, but also the Peru trip. I think we've got some pictures from Peru. Do we have those pictures from Peru? What a, speaking of shift, uh, we had a medical team that has serviced, I believe it's thousands and thousands of people on the medical mission, and I know some of your loved ones were doing that. We had a team there to restore water and water restoration. Here's some of the medical people. And uh, we had a team also going on to schools, and we partnered with 5,000 from America and from other countries. And then there were 5,000 that were on the ground in Peru that were citizens that partnered with this move to have over 10,000 missionaries on the ground. And we, um, we were able to have the crescendo of the, the 10 days last night. Uh, Pastor Phil was preaching in Cusco. Uh, can you listen how good God is? So whatever happened, I don't know all the details, but the team in Peru won their soccer their soccer game. And so the, like the championship was last night, and the championship had just happened to be played in the arena where Pastor Phil was preaching at, and they won right before. Come on, let's give God some glory how he sets things up. So there were thousands and thousands of people in this arena as Pastor Phil gets up, and I want to give you just a heads up. They actually told him, uh, they kind of said like, hey, this is a public uh, kind of venue and agenda, so be careful. Like, just we're, we're encouraging you not to use the name of God, and and." We're encouraging the music not to be very worshipful. So the person who was doing worship is a born-again Christian, and she's actually a uh, kind of a famous singer there in Peru and South America, and she sang worship songs. So Pastor Phil gets up, and I know this in the back of my mind, and I, and I know some of his, his uh, speeches scripted certain things that he had, to, he had to touch on, but then it was like something shifted, and he starts telling his personal testimony, and it, it, was, it just was all about Jesus at that point. It was all about God. I had an altar call for people to give their lives to Jesus Christ, people to come down and get prayer if they need healing, and just God just dropped on that stadium in Cusco, and so God is shifting some things, and I believe that shift that happened in Peru is, is, we're part of it, and I'm going to touch some more about that in just a few minutes, but uh, do you need a shift today? Maybe in your own life, maybe in a relationship. I know we've had you come down for healing, but I believe God has a word to speak to us today about shifting things in our lives. So if I could title my message uh, today, and I mean, I I did title it, so here's the title. (laughs) We're in the shift series. This is actually the last message of the shift series. So I hope that you come away with the message of keep shifting. Everybody say, keep shifting. Keep shifting. And um, if you've ever driven a manual car, you'll know what that means. (laughs) You don't stop. You're like, traffic in first gear, into second gear, back to first gear, into second gear. Yeah. So, uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our time to be here today. Uh, we worship you. We exalt you, O God. We thank you for showing us your person, uh, your description as our Father, as our, as our Savior through your Son, Jesus Christ, as our Comforter by your Holy Spirit, the one who empowers us by the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be in this place today. As your word says, where two or three are gathered together in your midst, in our midst, you would be here in us. And we already sense you in this place today, God. Shift in our lives something, God, uh, that we would look more like you, that we would catch a glimpse of you, that we would catch a perspective of you, Lord God, that we wouldn't be satisfied with atmosphere, but only the presence of God in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So shift. I'm going to talk about three points. Point number one, shift. Point number two, keep shifting. And then point number three, be contagious. All right? And then we're going to go home. Well, we let God do what he wants to do, and then we'll go home. After you help us stuff some bags. (laughs) (laughs) It keeps on. So, I needed, uh, Pastor Phil and I, yeah, Pastor Phil, speaking of, I'm honored to be here today. And he will be back next week. They're coming tomorrow night, so if you have something to do, uh, if you want to be here when they come back around 8.30, 9 o'clock, they're going to be here, so we can just welcome them home. But, uh, honored to be here, and Pastor Phil is... uh, in his place, but he'll be back here next week, but I meant to say Pastor Drew, so Pastor Drew and I uh, two Mondays ago, we had to go to Catalina uh, talk about a tough work day, right? We had to go there actually because we have so many kids going to youth camp that are uh, that have signed up and are going to be signed up because of just the numbers that we've been running that we don't have a room big enough to contain them out on the island, so we've got to figure out are we going to do them in this older room that's not so uh, it's not as comfortable as this room, but God can show up anyways. Uh, or are we going to do it in an amphitheater that's outside against the water? And if we did the amphitheater, there's just, so we had to go figure out what we were going to do. And there were some other things. We needed to see the cabin, cabin numbers, so they can figure out all of the logistics behind camp. So we're, Pastor Drew texts me Sunday night. He's like, hey, man, we're on the boat. We, we got to get to the boat 8 a.m. That means we got to meet at the church 630. So um, I'm, I'm up. And I've been sleeping in a little bit lately. Uh, and so I wasn't up quite as early as what I wanted to be up. So I'm a, I end up being here at like seven o'clock. And so we jump in the car, we get out, uh, we're getting to Long Beach because that's where our uh, ferry was leaving from, 8 a.m. And it is like 8, 8.50, no, sorry. It is 7.50 and we got to catch the 8 a.m. ferry. And Pastor Drew calls the ferry and he's like, hey, like we're 10 minutes out. Um, we just want to know, are we going to make it? And the, the lady's like, well, they start boarding 15 minutes early, so we would really encourage you to be there at 15 minutes early. And we're like, <gasps> and so Drew's like, is the room on the 9 a.m. ferry? Like, what if we miss the 8 a.m. ferry? What are we going to, uh, well, the 9 a.m. Well, the 9 a.m. right now is currently sold out, but that's not to say that there's not going to be room for you if somebody doesn't show up. Who go? I mean, everybody must be going to Catalina Island at like 8 and 9 a.m. in the morning, Monday mornings. And so Drew's like, Nate, you got to stomp on it. Like, we got to get this 8 a.m. ferry or there's a good chance we're not going to get out here. And so I'm driving, and the next thing I know, my phone starts blowing up. And I kind of ignore it through the first one, because I'm like, look, I'm in a 2004 vehicle that doesn't have, like, Bluetooth and, like, the new driving laws, and it doesn't have tinted windows, and I just, like, don't want to be the guy that gets pulled over and gets the new $3,000 fine or whatever the price is, and, you know, like, license suspended and all this crazy stuff. So I'm like, I ignore the first one. And I'm out waiting in a red light, and the second one comes. And I'm like, okay, this must be an emergency. So I look at it, and it is my hot, sexy wife, is actually what it says. <laughs> it does actually say that. And actually, I forwarded it in my contact to somebody else one day, and they're like, I think my wife's going to be upset. I'm like, no, no, don't worry. I've already got, like, Erica's good that I sent it to you. He's like, no, it says hot, sexy wife. I was like, oh, yes, you might want to change the name. <laughs> but that's my, that's her name in my contact. And so I'm like, hey, Erica, hey, sweetheart, like, what's up? And she's like, where's the car? I'm like, good morning to you too, babe. How about in marriage? We may need some shift in our communication, right? Sometimes assumed communication, like I thought I told you, or miscommunication, like I didn't tell you, or, you know, just like the, you know, that supernatural download you thought, you know, your spouse would get (laughs) of what you need. (laughs) Especially on like the, I've been telling her, I've been trying to read your mind for eight years now, baby. It just, so, where's the matrix at? I'm like, well, Erica, it was the only car that wasn't in the, was not in the driveway that I could get out. And she's like, well, did you forget that we needed the car? So we had some people standing at our house, and we actually, they needed the car to get to the place they needed to get to. And I'm like, okay, don't worry. Where's the other key? I can't find it. Okay, well, that's not an option. So, uh, like, I really don't know what to do. I'm trying to catch this ferry. Let me call you when I get on the ferry. So... Like, the call kind of ended a little bit before I could say, like, let me call you before I get on the I <laughs> mean, you need a shift. <laughs> so Drew's like, hey, man, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, man, it's good go. It's cool, cool, cool. Let's get on the boat. So, I mean, we wait, and we get on the boat. We get out, like, we're, we're finally getting out onto the water. And, the, like, I can just feel the tension, though, right? And I'm texting, hey, baby, like, I'm so sorry. It won't happen again. This is, like, the hundredth time. This will be the last one because we have two keys. We can't find the one and I have the only other key. So the car's here, but the key's on the ferry going to Catalina. And so the next thing, I'm like, there's some other text messages and I'm like, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry. And so there's another text message that comes and she's like, where's the, ca- where's the key to the Explorer? And I'm like, which well, should be on the counter. Where is it normally at? And she's like, I can't find it. So I'm like, oh no. I kind of get like this empty pit feeling in my stomach. I've got my work bag and I'm like checking it. I'm like, I don't have it. She's like, but we don't have it. We can't go anywhere. We don't have any keys to any cars. And I'm like, Oh Lord, Jesus, like I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. Help me, Shunda Beef. She's like, it is not here. I think it may have even been in like all capitals, which like takes extra time. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. So I actually start feeling my pockets. I'm like, okay, it's not there. What is it doing in my jacket pocket? <laughs> so Drew is like beside me, and he's kind of like feeling all of like, you know, the vibes. And I'm like, no. And Drew's like, what's up? And I hold the key up. And he's like, bro, I feel for you, man. I'm praying. I'm praying. <laughs> like, it's going to be okay, man. I'm praying. I'm like, oh, I'm like, sweetheart. Sweetheart. I've got the Explorer key. And for some reason, we can't find the other Explorer key. I don't know. Like, I would say, the dog ate it, but we don't even have a dog. So I was at a place I needed a shift. And it just, I mean, it was like, you know, I thought the straw that broke the camel's back was like the last key. But this was like, like the camel's done. I mean, it's, and I need some. So, I mean, I'm like, I'm like, oh, Lord. Like, I'm trying to find words to text my wife. I can't even find, I love you. I'm thinking, can I get off the boat? Can I get the window open? Do I even wanna come back? I mean, I was praying. This couple in front of us, this lady turns around and she's like, you know, I've just got some advice for you. I kinda overheard what you're going through, <laughs> AKA, I could feel the tension, was what she was actually saying. She's like, you know, Jeffrey and I have been married for 45 years and it's going to be all right. You know, he's going to say he loves me and keep following me back home, and I'm going to say, it's going to be all right. You know, I may be a little upset at the beginning, but it's all going to be okay. And as simple as that advice was, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, this is our anniversary week. This happened on the week. So our anniversary is on that Wednesday. We were going to celebrate eight years, and this is Monday, and it is all about to blow up. And I text my wife finally. I'm like, this is, this is not how we're spending our, our anniversary week we're not fighting over this. And I made a declaration, and, and the, of course, now at this point, we're in a conversation. Pastor Drew's like, I don't know what he was doing. He's out. He must have been like, bro, I'm just going to sleep on this, because you are in a lot of trouble. So how many of you know, like in a couple, there's typically the person that talks a lot? Like one spouse talks a little more than the other, and they're like, go ahead, baby, tell the story. So that was Jeff. He's like, just, you just, just tell the story. So Jerry and I end up talking like the entire time across the boat or across the cross to the Catalina. And we kind of, I, I kind of was just like, man, like, God, I can see what you're gonna do in the midst of this. Like in all of this struggle and what was going on, you know, just in my own sphere of influence, trying to derail me and distract me. I'm like, no, like I'm gonna be present in this moment. And God, I need to shift in my own life, but I'm not gonna hold back you from shifting somebody else's life. And so finally, I'd, they were telling me that they're from like Missouri or Montana just trying to escape the cold weather and the snow. And they're, you know, they're excited. They're going across to Catalina and they're, you know, they're, telling, us, uh, they're telling me the restaurants they're going to go to and all of this stuff. And she's like, and you know what? It's going to be okay. We've been married 45 years. We've had these things. We've had our ups and downs, but we still we all love each other. And I'm like, yes, we got this, Erica. We can do this. And so at the end, I'm, I said, you know, do you mind if I pray for you? Because you've been just a... Such an encouragement to me today, you know. And I know it's going to be okay. And I'd, in the meantime, I thought, you know, I think we can swing past Erica's favorite restaurant on the way home. I'll pick up her favorite. Her favorite. She actually likes. Have you ever heard of Juliana's in Gardena? They've got these amazing. They call them torpedoes. I walk in. I'm like, Hey, can I have your sub? And they're like, A sub? You mean a torpedo? Yeah, that thing. I'm from the East Coast. We call them subs. You guys call them torpedoes. And then I got her some uh tiramisu, which is her favorite dessert. So end of the story. God is good. He worked that all out. Food is definitely my, my wife's love language. So I walk into the office at the end of the day, and I'm like, hey, baby. She's like, oh, give me. I'm like, hallelujah. <laughs> Shift. So I prayed for the couple, and we, we go to get off, and now finally Drew's awake, and now I'm talking to Jerry, or I'm talking to Jeff. Yeah, Drew's like, hey, man, what happened? So I'm talking to Jeff now because now Drew and Jerry were kind of in a conversation and Jeff begins to tell me about how his wife is legally blind. I don't know their, as the conversation began, you know, it was, they were talking about some things that, you know, I don't know how much they went to church. But he started talking about his wife's blindness and the different procedures that she's had and cornea replacements, uh, all of this stuff. And we finally get, we're still in the shuffle of people and we're just getting to like kind of the main streets of Avalon. And I feel the spirit of God say, pray for her. And, and I'm like, what, I already prayed for her, God? Like, checked off, like, we're good. He's like, no, pray for her. I'm like, okay. I was like, Jerry, I didn't realize how bad you, I didn't realize you were, you're, you're legally blind. And Jeff was telling me like, he's about to retire and they're kind of concerned about some of the medical stuff that she has to have done. And they're just trying to enjoy life as much as they can uh, and believing that her eyesight's going to be better. But if it's not, they want to enjoy what they can. And so I said, Jerry, can Drew and I pray for you? And she's like, oh, I would love that. And so Drew and I were praying for her. And we're, of course, laying, we're praying God by Jesus's stripes. We just declare the authority, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, that she's healed, and her eyesight would just completely return, God, and would you do a miracle, and so I believe, uh, we've been texting back and forth, and I believe that she's gonna, her eyes are completely healed, but she was a light, a glimpse in my dark moment, and what shifted, helped me to shift something, or for God to shift something in my relationships, and I'm looking at her, and I start, I start to see some tears roll down her eyes, and she looks at Jerry, and she's, and Jerry goes, it's okay, it's okay, sweetheart. I'm like, what like what is going on in this moment and when he said it again it's okay she said i asked i just asked god this week god do you still create stars because i haven't seen stars since i was a 3 year old this is what this is what she said god do you still create stars and when she said that i felt god say you're a star and as and as he said that the context wasn't just at her it was at even Drew and I we are called to be a light in a dark world. I believe that God still creates stars. I mean, science has still proven that the heavens are continued to, they, they can't find the end of it. So I believe God's just running one step ahead of them, going star, 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 <laughs> Right? But I believe it's a representation of what's happening here on earth that he's going star, 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 and it's just reflecting back up in the heaven. And she's crying, and I'm crying, and I'm like, you were a star, you were a light, in a time when I needed some light. Just in the, I mean, it's our marriage. This is important to us. And she encouraged me to not get my head down in the dumps and just be like, oh man, I did it again. But I go, oh, this is gonna work. And so we were able to pray for her and she hugged us and loved on us. And she said, you know what? I wanna adopt you two as my sons. So she said, I'd never met them before. I believe I'll see them again in heaven. We need shift. And I believe what God shifted in our church over the last few days in Peru. I believe he's shifting something in you, in those areas that you need to see shift. I believe he's even shifting things in my life. And so as I was thinking about what happened to her, I couldn't help but be reminded of a story in the book of Acts. And you can turn there in your Bibles in Acts chapter 3. I'm going to read it 1 through 10. And this is a story about Peter and John when they went up to the temple. And I want you to know something. Sometimes we get frustrated with the routine of life. Maybe it's the why do I even go to church or why do I even read my Bible? But I want you to know something. As you keep coming with an expectation for his presence and you desire him more than anything in this life, he will meet you in that routine. And if you don't let it be out of religion, but let it be out of your relationship for him, he will shift things in your life every time. And the church as it was in its infancy, they only went through the routine of what they knew as a Jewish people, but now they are Messianic Jews that accepted the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And now they're still going through the routine. Well, I guess we show up for prayer because that's what we did. So Peter and John, they're going to the temple for prayer in about the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. What else do we have to do? Let's go pray. And a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask for alms from those who entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Somebody say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Somebody shout, shift. Shift. Come on, we can do better than that. Somebody say, I need a shift." shift. And Peter took his hand his right hand to be specific, which is actually always a symbol of the strength of the Lord. Your right your right side is always a sign of the strength of the Lord. And he grabbed him and he lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength so that he, the lame man, leaping up, stood up and walked in and entered into the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with awe and with wonder and amazement as this at what had happened to him. Somebody say amen. So today as you think about shifting, I want you to think about shifting your eyesight and fixing it on Jesus Christ. You know, when I need a behavior to shift in our kids... Guess what I'll do? I, look in my eyes, look in my eyes. And you know what? Many times River and Abby will be like, River, look here. What just happened? And he'll be like, almost there. I mean, he will be like looking at my ear. i will be like, River, here. Abby, look here. Because why? There's something that happens when you look into the eyes of a loved one. You can sense in this look that this lame man gave Peter and John their faith shifted something in him. The glance being present shifted something in this man that when they professed the faith of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, because it wasn't their faith that healed the man, it was Jesus Christ of Nazareth who healed this man, and it was the faith of him who walked in among us as the divine who stepped down from the right hand of the Father to become humanity, walked and was resurrected again, and he said, what I have, i I don't have silver and gold, but what I do, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So when you shift, when you look into the presence of God, maybe it's happened as you came to church, God gave you a glimpse of who he is. Maybe it's as you looked into a friend's eyes that told you about Jesus. Maybe it's as you opened your word of God, like Pastor Phil said, I didn't have anybody to tell me who Jesus was. I opened up the Bible and I realized I made all the mistakes that were in it. And I said, Jesus, I need you. Looking into his word, looking into the word of God, Pastor Phil allowed the word of God to look into his life. So what has God shifted us from? And we first need to ask this question. We also can call this shift redemption, salvation, conversion. So if God has shifted us or redeemed us or converted us from something, what were we before? What were we before this shift happened in our lives? And maybe you're sitting here today and you've never experienced this. And I believe God's in this place so that he can shift you from darkness to light, from death to life, from despair and deception to Truth and love. What did he shift us from? Second Timothy, verses three, one and five. And I'm going to read this because uh, this is paints a picture of what we were as a we weren't children of God to being translated and shifted and converted into the children of God. But know this, Paul's writing to the Philippians that in the last days perilous times will come. How many of you know we're living in the last days? We can see some perilous times. And it says this, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. What has God converted us from? I can tell you before a relationship with God, and many times even still struggling with, I see my name on some of those. But the power of God in our lives has transformed us, converted us from that relationship with darkness to relationship with God, relationship with life, relationship with light. And I can tell you this, the power of God today in your life wants to shift something. That as you were, Colossians 1.13 says this, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? Who is that who? Jesus Christ. So it's actually not a question in this particular verse. It's saying the phrase, who Jesus delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Did you hear that? He translated. He took what you didn't deserve and he put you in what, you, what he saw you as. His son, Jesus Christ, took your place so that you could take his place being translated into the kingdom of God, being translated into the family of God, so you have the opportunity to be shifted from that which is not God to that which is God by the blood of Jesus Christ. Can somebody give God some glory this morning? Because he's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. You may say, well, I'm not worthy of it, but can I tell you this? He's chosen you. He doesn't tell you to get yourself figured out, fixed up, and then come into my presence. He says, experience my love. Love covers a multitude of sin. Love. Peter said, We're in a period of time where, yes, we'll see perilous times, but Peter said, We are in a period of time where God is pouring out of his spirit. Where is your position? What has God shifted you to? This word translated, I want you just to hear it, means to carry, to exchange, to put away, to remove, to turn away from death unto life. God has translated you. I almost think of anybody playing Mario, remember the old ones? You had the little warp tunnels, right? And it would translate you from like halfway in the map to like the end. You didn't deserve it, but somebody told you about the little secret passageway, and you pop out and you're like, ah, easy. God has translated you from darkness until light. Keep shifting, keep shifting. I believe that the thing that we can do in life many times is we just, we, as humans, we wanna settle in and just put it on cruise control, Right? autopilot. That may work in the sky, but it doesn't work when you're driving your car down the 91. <laughs> You've got to keep paying attention. Life is the same way. We've got a work that God has called us to do. As we've been converted, what are we converted? What is God, what has conversion been to us? Are we just the children of God to just say, hey dad, cool deal, you take care of it? No, it's to mature and become a part of his redemptive plan. He has a purpose for you. And if we sit back and just say, take care of it, that's like putting it on autopilot. But if we actually realize the responsibility that God has given us, that we are His church, we are His body, Jesus Christ is the head, and how it continues to roll through history and humanity is by what we allow ourselves to yield to God to do. You walk by people in the coffee shop that need a shift, you walk by people in your workplace that need a shift, you walk by people down the street that need a shift. They need to have something. And if we stop shifting in our lives, if we say, God, I'm good, like no more. No, there's a city that needs us full of God. And so keep shifting. Your declaration comes from intimacy. Your declaration, what you can declare, the things that you allow God to continue to do and accomplish in your life, come from intimacy with him. Come from intimacy with him. You know, I think of, I think of, uh, we all continue to come into a revelation of who he is in our lives, right? Sometimes we can get, we can compartmentalize God as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is God, three in one. That's his description. He's the Father, he's the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's like, the, I'll, get, I'll catch glimpses of, of him when I need him as my Father, right? I'll catch glimpses of him as I need him as his Son, my healer, my deliverer, my restorer, my, our salvation. However, We'll catch greater glimpses of him as we need him as our Holy Spirit that comforts us, that leads us, that guides us, that enables us. Holy Spirit, empower us to accomplish this mission that you have us on. Continue to shift things so that we can keep shifting. You know, I think of in life you have, you can continue to shift up gears, right? As you need to go faster, the RPMs build up, you do what? Shift. As you need to you kind of the traffic slowing down, what do you do? Downshift. But you keep shifting. I remember one time my sister was learning how to drive. I think Nellie's watching. I love you, Nellie. Even though you tried to kill me. So I grew up in the country. Michael and I were just talking about this a little bit ago. In the mountains of, like, in Pennsylvania where the Appalachian Mountains come up through. This is like, I don't like to say this, but it's kind of hillbilly country, okay? Um, I remember we went to a family reunion one time and Eric was like, what did your uncle just say? (laughs) What was he speaking in? That's called hillbilly. No. Uh, So I actually learned how to drive before my sister who's five years older than I am. Don't know how that works, but we lived in, like, my dad owns a construction company. And actually the first place I learned how to drive was a massive dump truck that you could hold the brake down, put it in first gear and let up on the clutch and it would still drive forward. It had that much power. It was like, so I, I was driving quite a while and it was my sister's turn to learn how to drive. Like I said, don't, don't I can't figure out the math. My dad did this. So my dad says, hey, I'm a little busy right now doing some things. Can you go with your sister and teach her how to drive? Remember, I'm five years younger than her. So we go get in her brand new, well, it was used like a 1985, because, yeah, no, maybe it was a little newer than that, like 87 Volkswagen Golf, little cute car, right? Does anybody, little cute car, little five-speed, you know? But the trick about them is like first gears beside reversed. So here we are in the back country roads. Well, actually, we're not even, we're in our driveway. Sorry, I fast-forwarded. So we're in our driveway. Nellie puts the car in what she thinks is first, and lets the clutch out, and all of a sudden we're going, we're flying back in reverse. There's this big grove of trees in the front of my parents' house, and we're, we're reversing through these trees. <laughs> she thinks that she hits the brake, but she hits the gas. So where you would like to like, slow down and not hit anything, now we are going faster in reverse through the grove of trees. And we're looking forward. I mean, I'm like, oh! go. <laughs> I think I start crying, Nelly, <laughs> Slam into a tree. <laughs> Before airbags existed, before all of this, her like car that hasn't even driven on the road yet is now like smashed up. I'm like Nellie, what are you doing? She's like, I don't know. Sometimes in life, your failures can hold you back. Did that hold my sister back from driving? No. My dad got her car fixed, got it painted a new color that she actually liked. <laughs> And uh, I don't think I rode with her for a while, though. I was a little gun shy. But in life, I want you to know this. There are things that can, your victories can hold you back. Your victories sometimes can be the the biggest thing that holds you from shifting again and the next thing that God has for you. And your failures can hold you back. And so keep shifting. Paul said this to the Philippians. He said, brothers, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Now get it. Paul is writing, and which he is by the end of his life, he has written most of the New Testament. So that's a pretty good, pretty good accomplishment, right? And he's writing, I consider myself to have not have apprehended. And he said this, but this one thing I do, forgetting all the things that were behind me. Now, I want you to think about what Paul had to forget about. Paul had to forget about the fact that he tried to eradicate the Christian sect of Judaism. He tried to kill the church. Big failure. And at his conversion as he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, now being born again, he writes most of the New Testament and he's standing there and saying, I haven't accomplished anything in my life. And this one thing I do is I forget everything that's behind me, the failures, the victories, and I press forward. What does it say? So that I may receive, or I press forward, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upper calling in God, in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? Every day of our lives, we have God to do our best to forget everything behind us so we can continue to allow God to shift us forward. Keep on shifting. Your victories, they're behind you. Your challenges, they're behind you. And each day, is it every new day where you get to stand? I will tell you this. I saw it one time as, as a picture of my toes over an abyss that the enemy would do nothing more than to distract us, tempt us, and to deceive us, and to pull us into the abyss. But God wants to do nothing more as our Heavenly Father through Christ Jesus and by the power of his word and the Holy Spirit to anchor you into that cliff so that you can continue to profess and be a part of what God wants to do here and now. Somebody say, I want to keep shifting. I want to keep shifting. I don't want to stop. And the last one, be contagious. Be contagious. At the end of, Acts 3 and 14, it actually is said about these guys are being not necessarily persecuted, Peter and John, but they're being challenged. And he's like, hey, we haven't done anything. Like we didn't do anything. It was Jesus of Nazareth. It was Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you've crucified. That's what power this was done in. Something about their life was contagious. Jesus actually told his disciples at the end of Mark, in Mark 16, And he said, Go into the world and preach the gospel, and everyone who believes in me will be baptized, will be saved. And then he gives us this prompting. And he said, These signs in verses 17 and 18, and these signs will follow them that believe. That in my name, they will speak in a new tongue. They will touch any deadly thing, and it will not hurt them. They will pick up serpent, and it will not hurt them. They will drink any deadly thing, and it won't hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. If I ask myself, Is there anything about my life that's contagious? Are these signs following my life? And even though maybe yesterday they did, what about today? Are they following me today? I actually was challenged with this question this week. God, I felt God say, are these signs following your life? Is there something contagious about you? Is there something that you're allowing me to do and shift in your life that someone else would look at it and say, what's going on? That I'm not necessarily doing it for the signs, but I'm doing it for your presence, God. And what you do behind me is up to you. I trust you in that. But it takes me stepping out in faith and putting a hand on somebody that's sick and saying, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be made well. It's me saying, you know what? The world would ever throw at me. It's not gonna harm me. It's not gonna destroy me. It's not gonna deceive me because my God is for me and not against me. I remember I was in Bolivia in 2004. And speaking of eating deadly things that will not hurt you, uh, many times you have to get to, you have to, you gotta, To get a shift in your life, sometimes you gotta go to a new location. I was afraid to completely yield my life to God as a young man because I thought he was gonna call me to be a missionary. I grew up in the church. I remember major shift at eight years old, gave my life to Jesus Christ. 2001, got filled with the Spirit. It's not that the Spirit of God changed. Holy Spirit, I yielded my life to him and he radically changed touched my life is he would desire to do the same to any person as a child that would desire him. And now 2004, I'm invited to go to a missions trip to Bolivia. And we're there in Bolivia, and uh, we were working. There was actually, Cochabamba Bolivia had an influx of 300,000 people because the United States came in when we shut down the cocaine industry and there's not quite the turnover in cocaine as there is in bananas. So the farmers and all of their families came running into the cities to find jobs. So now there's like 300,000 people in this city that doesn't have the infrastructure or the space to contain them and their schools are overrun and these kids are just living on a city dump. And we're there for that. Radically changed my life. And I remember that I was, uh, as we were there, the summer, uh, during the summer, actually they said, hey, we, you can stay to the fall. That Somebody invited me to stay. I was there with a team of like 35 people. And the, the Steve Petushnik and Lori Petushnik, the family that was heading it up from the organization in the United States, said, hey, we would love you to stay and just be a part of the rest of, the, of the, what's going on here till the school is finished. And uh, you can go back home with the team that comes down for like the ribbon cutting ceremony. I called my dad, dad, I'm so excited. Guess what? I can stay in Cochabamba Bolivia for the summer. Like what God's been doing here is amazing. Amen? God has been doing some things in Peru that's amazing, but I want you to know something. He's not done yet, and he's still shifting, and he's shifting today, and he's shifting in your life, and our team's coming back from Peru, and God's gonna shift something again, and he's gonna keep shifting, and he, he's looking for some people that are desperate to say, God, shift something in me. I'm not gonna be left behind. I'm gonna be, God, I wanna keep up. And so my dad said, hey, son, I'm excited for you, and I'm excited for your passion, but what verbal and written commitments have you given? And I'm like, oh. So I'm working for my dad's company. All right, so he's got like a lose-lose situation. (laughs) His son's going to stay in Peru, or his son's going to stay in Bolivia, and he's going to lose an employee. Not that he was selfishly, but actually, I think it was my mother that persuaded him. Because I'm, yes, I'm the favorite son. Sorry, Nick. Sorry, Nelly. So my dad's like, what written commitments have you given or verbal? And so I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, I got a truck payment. Okay, that's written commitment. I've got some verbal commitments to youth groups and ministries I'm involved I'm like, yeah, dad, I've got some verbal commitments. He said, you you need to stick to those commitments that you've given. Probably some of the best advice that I've ever heard in my life, right? If you give a man, you give somebody your word, stick to it. Young people, if you say you're gonna do it, do it. And uh, so I get back on the plane, I come home. And, uh, oh wait, I forgot to tell you the story. So we're, before I get on the plane and come back home, we're at a restaurant that's kind of fancy uh, for third world country standards. And... um, we're eating these these steak. It's a steakhouse and they would bring out these big huge things of steak and you would just pull them off and put them on your plate and eat them. And these turkey balls that are wrapped in bacon. Who likes bacon? Like bacon ice cream, bacon donuts, bacon soda. I mean, there's bacon everything now. Well, they had these turkey these little turkey chunks of meat and they would wrap it in bacon and they were amazing. The problem was I was on the end of the table like 35 people away from where they were bringing out all the food, so we would never get them. So like a half hour, 45 minutes later, they finally bring out another round and they start at our end of the table. And I'm like, yes! So I grab like three of these things, put them on my plate. I'm like down the one. I'm working on a second one. And an adult who has a little bit more wisdom than I do as I was probably in my early 20s, said, don't eat the turkey balls. I'm like, hmm? Good, what's wrong with them? He's like, they're not cooked. I'm like, "Mm hmm? eating raw meat in a third-world country is not the thing you want to do. And I remember like my stomach got like this, not like starting to turn because it was upset at what I had physically eaten, but just like this fear it was like, and I'm like, oh no. Like I just ate a, ter- a, raw, tur- a raw piece of turkey in a third-world country that probably, did. I don't even know if they washed their hands, I don't know if they washed anything. I'm like, Lord. And I remember the verse popped into my mind. You will eat any deadly thing and it will not hurt you. And I'm like, I don't worry, it's going to be okay. I did. I looked at the person beside me like, it's going to be okay. And they're like, sure. Glad you did it, not I. Thank the Lord. Everything was good. Didn't get sick. Praise God. But God wants to do things in your life that catch people's attention. God wants you to be contagious. The love that he has for you and the love that he wants to display through you, he wants it to be contagious. So I get on the plane. We land in Miami and I'm walking through the tunnel of the plane to the airport. And if you've ever been in Miami, it's a little humid. And you know, you hit that, Tunnel. And it's like, oh, like, is there any air moving through here? Or is it just everybody exhaling as we get off the plane? And I'm walking through the tunnel, and I hear God say, "How do you get to a mission field by walking through a mission field?" And I almost, I was like, "What did you just say?" Because I had to get to the mission field for God to remind me that He's the same. And actually, He's there's probably a little more desperation for the people in a third world country because if God doesn't show up, guess what happens? Nothing. We have some distractions in a first world country that we've got to kind of work our way through to say, God, help me to stay desperate. Help me to stay desperate though I can go to the grocery store and get everything physically in need. God help me to stay desperate that we have these things that are. Listen, I'm I'm for the luxuries. I love clothes, right? I like the comforts of life, but God help them not to distract us. God, we have these things because we are a nation that was for you, and a nation that declared you, and a nation that built our foundation on you. We have these things because of you. Now, God, help them to not become a distraction. How do you get to a mission field by walking through one? I believe one of the greatest mission fields today that we live in is right here, Orange County, California, Anaheim Hills. You are part of an end-time mission work, and you're part of the greatest thing. The move of God that we have seen in the past has been amazing, and I thank God for it, but it fails in comparison to what he wants to do and how he wants to shift today. He wants to shift something in your life. He wants to shift something in my life. I don't know what you came in with today. But it isn't the end. It isn't the end. And sometimes you need to shift the gear down. But you shift the gear down so that you can shift the gear back up again. Keep shifting. Let God do something in your life that's contagious. Examine your life every once in a while and say, God, are these signs following my life? God, is there something contagious about my life? And if not, Heavenly Father, I've got to know you in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I want to be desperate for you. Listen to the flip side of this. If God said that we live in perilous times through his servant Paul, and he gets to the end and said, there is going to be a form of godliness, but they're going to deny the power thereof. So, like Pastor Phil said, he likes to flip it. I flipped that verse. So we can have a form of godliness, and we can have the power thereof. That we could say of a relationship, that would testify of that because there's something contagious about our lives. There's something that God is doing in the midst of you that, are, that is like a match to fuel. God's taking candles and he's making them into torches. I remember God gave me a dream years ago and I would do the illustration, but the last time I did it here on this stage, we about caught that church on fire. But he showed my life as a candle and I could barely move because I was afraid of that candle blowing out. And I was ashamed of it actually. God, I can't even share the light that I have because it's so small and I'm afraid that this just the stillest of winds could knock my candle out. And I I I saw I saw myself shielding over this little candle flame. And God said, What I want you to look like is a torch. And a torch, if you've ever seen Indiana Jones and what is it, like the Temple of Doom, he's got like the torch right, and he's using it as a weapon. And he's like down in the sewers and the catacombs and there's like water running down and he's like beating rats and snakes off. He's like, I hate snakes. And he's using it as a weapon. Like God wants your life to shine bright, to be a torch for him. That like you don't have to purpose, like I said, it's not for the sake of the signs, it's for the sake of your relationship with him. And there's something about it that becomes contagious to the world around you. That when you ask the person across the bar at the coffee shop, what do you know about God? That all of a sudden a conversation that starts and there's testimonies that you can tell of, of what God's been doing in your life. And the person says, I need what you have. Shift something in our lives today. Can everybody stand? As we get ready to close, our mission field is here. It may be your coffee shop. It may be your workplace. It may be your place of hobby. It may be your place of entertainment. Whatever, wherever, God wants to use you, full of his presence. You shift the atmosphere when you come in because of the presence that you carry, a torch of light to a dark world. So maybe this morning as you've come in here, maybe if I asked you two questions, do you believe? And the second question, do these signs follow? And if I could just say a third thing, are we in unity? Because Jesus, because actually God said in his word in Proverbs, how beautiful it is when we dwell in unity. Unity that we're desperate. As as Peru is desperate for God, so are we desperate for God. Unified to see him shifting in our lives and doing things in our lives. But that first question, do you believe today? Maybe you come in today and you're like, I don't know if I believe. If that's you, I know God is here and he wants to encounter your love. Maybe it's fear that holds you back. Maybe it's worry. Maybe it's an anxiety of what is it gonna, what's God gonna, am I gonna be weird? Listen, there is a perfect love in God that will cast out all fear. Did you hear me? Don't let your fear of the unknown hold you back from the greatest relationship that you will ever know. Relationship with God. If fear is the thing that holds you back, I want to say, encounter God's love. Glance into his eyes. Close your eyes and glance in and say, God, I want to know that love that you have. Because God promises in Psalm 145, verses 18, that he hears the cry of the desperate heart. Maybe you haven't been desperate enough to know him. God, I need to know you more than the things of this life, the relationships, the distractions. God, I want to know you. Maybe the second question is, maybe you're saying, I don't know if these signs follow me. But let's deal with the first one. If you're in this place this morning and you say, I want to believe in God, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, God's here to meet you. He's here with a perfect love. That as you cry out, God, I want to know that perfect love, he will wrap you in his loving arms. If that's you this morning, I want to see you wave your hand. Listen, all of heaven, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you today, for you. He stepped down for you. His Holy Spirit is here moving in our midst today for you so that you can say, God, I want to believe in you. I want to know that perfect love. If that's you, I want to see your hand up in the air. God's here this morning in our midst. That's you, that's you, that's you. God sees them. God sees in our heart what we're doing. Can we all pray with these people that have raised their hands? Heavenly Father, oh, come on. We can do better than that. Heavenly Father, we come to you today in the name of Jesus Christ. You said boldly we could come into your presence. We do boldly with desire. I want to know you. I give you my life. I surrender my sins. My mistakes, my failures convert me. I repent of what I was into who you want me to be. In Jesus' name, I give you my life. Can we just give God some glory today? For those of you that said, God, I wanna know you, I wanna believe in you. And then, real quick, and then we're gonna sing a song. If you wanna see God shift something in your life, that there would be those signs that would follow the intimate relationship that you have with him that's in the world around you, in our city, that people would see that con- there would be a contagiousness about you. If that's you, I want you to lift your hands up in the air. I want you to lift up your hands and say, God, shift me. Shift me. I don't want to be a candle. I want to be a torch for you, God. I want to see like, shift something in my life that, and the relationship and the love that I have with you, that there would be something supernatural that would emanate from my life. Holy Spirit of God, fill me, overflow me, guide me, comfort me, lead me, baptize me with your Holy Spirit, oh God. The gift that you've given from the beginning, you said this promise of the Spirit of God. Lord, so baptize these today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, let it be prophecy. Let it be speaking in tongues. Let it be people laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. Let it be in their own marriages. Let it be in their own families. Let it be in their workplaces. Let them seize the moment, God. Give them visions. Let them see their dreams, God. You said that in this day, you would pour out your spirit. This is the day we live in, Shift it, oh God. Shift it, oh God. You said you were pouring out, and God, we yield ourselves today to get in the flow and the move of your spirit. God, shift and keep on shifting. Let us be contagious. God, for a world that is thirsty, for a world that is in darkness, for a world that needs your love, God, we are the ones who carry it to the glory of God. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, do it, oh God, in us today, that it may be done tomorrow, that it may be done on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday. In Jesus' name, keep shifting, keep shifting, oh God. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, God. We worship you. Can we sing this song out and just declare it?